the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Joe Burrow leaves. Bo Pelini. Joe Brady. Yeah, Bo Pelini. Leaving the confines of Youngstown, Ohio for Baton Rouge. Is the vest coming back, the coach? No. President Dressel? No. Come on, that tied his career in a nice, tidy boat. He's a president. Why I know he that? is, but he could be, you know, we have player coaches. He could he's be president. He could be president coach. He's missed. He's, he's done a great job at Youngstown. He's gotten them all fired up. He's a great. No, but he's built, done a great he's job a great, with the campus. And yeah, the I know. He's a great builder of uh, uh, alliances and all that kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, he's that's a perfect role for him. We shouldn't tease the people with. Uh, scenarios that aren't going to happen i had somebody yesterday say man that'd be awesome if trestle came back as president I'm like, oh. we were kidding around the academic types would never go for that i'm not sure about that i think oh. coach trestle's been was pretty good and it had was good standing with uh now chris oh. can you imagine and again this is i'm presenting the scenario of how it would be received okay because i know people think oh he's got some extra grind with jim trestle i do not but to bring him back to ohio state what does Ohio State fight? The reputation as being a football university. If they bring back a football first, if they bring back a coach who got a five-year show cause penalty to be the president of the university, who, as far as I know, doesn't have any research papers and academics published or anything like that, they're going to get hammered. I don't think the big big donors who prioritize academics over football, if there are any such people, uh, would would embrace that, and I don't think the PhDs and the academic types at the university okay. would embrace that. So first, you see of what all, I'm saying? I do, but first yeah. of all, the the you know the show cause is what it is. It's over. It's, it's over. done. Yeah, it's he over. paid a penalty, and yeah. he's moved on, and, and has been successful and been really successful. I don't know what was he some chancellor or something at Akron? Yeah, and he got called back to Youngstown State, so he has experience. Done a great job. I don't year. think Ohio State, like you, Bruce, uh, to some extent, but not to the extent that you take it, is viewed as a football university. I do think there's other areas that excel that are worldwide oh, known no and, and excelled. So it depends on who you are. If you are a football fan and you hear Ohio State, absolutely you think you hear Ohio State. If you are a cancer survivor, you hear Ohio State. You hear, of course, of the James Cancer Hospital in Soloff, Research Institute or the Max Fisher School of Business. I mean, those things are world-renowned yeah. and, and very reputable medical school, very reputable law school. And so, and the other thing dental that's school? of interest. Yeah, Business the, school? The Postal Dental School. Blackwell You're, School of Business. Yeah, yeah Blackwell, what I meant. Thank yeah. you. Um, but here's the other thing that, that's interesting to me is that uh, why not go outside of the box? I mean, we've had academia, academia, academia. I think a president should be judged on his effectiveness of leading the university forward into the future, which Jim Trestle has done. And, and I know we had a, you had a text or I had a text yesterday or a tweet about uh, the building of the campuses and the growing of the student population, and, and that's uh, what Coach has done. So I'm not saying it's happening. I'm just saying if it did happen, it makes a ton of sense to me. Well, from a donation standpoint, and I would say from a popularity standpoint, I think it'd generally be a very popular decision. I think it would be a minority uh, squawking if they would do it. I just cannot imagine. I don't think like a trustee, so I'll, so I'll just say I don't think like a trustee, and I can't imagine what they would think, but I think there probably are some who would be concerned about how it would look um, but would he be effective? Yeah. Could he do the job? Yeah. That's, would he raise that, money? Yeah. That would be the argument. Would he that fire would... up the student body? Would he be popular? Yeah. All yeah. those things. Yeah, so I was teasing about that the other day. I, Hey, it'd be bold. Yeah. And, and by no means are we advocating for the removal of the current Well, he's already removed president. himself. He's already resigned. Well, then I, then I do think. He's uh, then, leaving to the end of the academic year. Okay. Then, then, then I certainly think that at least he would be on my list in – I think he's. Owed, I think you owe a conversation with him. Well, you go from a long way of being from a show cause penalty guy no, who doesn't see, get his see, shot. I was presenting how it would be received. Uh -huh. I wasn't saying what my personal okay objective. What's was. your I'm personal? My personal thing is go for it. He'd be great copy. How many times do we talk about Michael Drake? Never. As I used to say on the Zone, I'm in the interesting business. Yes. Is Jim Trestle as school president interesting? Yes, it is. Yes, he's very interesting. I, I wonder so if bring he it would, on. I, I, you think? Uh, I know he has a a love for Youngstown, but I think if Ohio State came calling again, and what a legacy though! What a legacy that would be. And the other thing is too is is about 
bouncing back. I mean, it's a pretty cool story. Yes, it if is. If you think about that. Yes, I mean, you, you want something to write? You can have lots of stories to write about that of, uh, you know, having a rough time, making maybe one or two bad decisions here or there, but still getting an opportunity and taking advantage of his opportunities. It's a great story. It's a great story to me. I would love that he comes back. In fact, I want to be his uh, campaign manager Okay, for president. I don't know that he wants to be campaigning for the job oh no you mean like I get, uh, you need you mean osu president or are you thinking no osu i i'd, I'd think hard long and hard about real president well, he's never called president he was called senator. senator yeah i don't know if that interests, now he's called president he's president of youngstown State. i don't know if that would interest him i don't know i have no idea um but i just know that he's effective at whatever he's done that he is uh i would say the same uh by way of transition in a different realm of DJ Carton, Buckeye guard, who uh, last night around 10 p.m., uh, we got the word that DJ Carton will be stepping away from the basketball team for an undefined period of time. Uh, DJ says it is to uh, attend to uh, mental health issues. That's undefined. Uh, I just my, my heart aches for the young man because when I watch him play, he plays with what appears to be an unbridled joy and obviously, internally, he has some kind of conflict that he wants to resolve. I applaud him and having the courage to come out and say that he's going to step away. And I'm sure he has the 100% support of Chris Holtman, who earlier this year we reflected on how impressed we were when Holtman suspended guys. And he said, I'm never going to leave guys out there just to win a game. I can I care more about things right. bigger than that. So I know he cares first and foremost about D.J. Carton's welfare. But he also is not going to throw guys out to the curb, too, unless, you know, maybe you're on your second, third, fourth chance, whatever his standard is. Look, we, um, from the time we were, say, DJ's age, what is it, 19, 20? So how yeah. far as a society, basically, is have we come Long way. in understanding mental health and some of the battles that people may or may not have? And I can't answer that. I know that if he is struggling, and it's struggling to a point where, uh, he's not happy and not happening doing what he does best and something that he looks like you said enjoys doing playing basketball. I thought he played his best game as a Buckeye the other night to, against Northwestern. And um, I, I think it hurt from a purely performance point of view. It hurts Ohio State because I do think he was a guy that would come on and and be a, uh, at least a guy that you can count on for 10 to 12, 14 points He's averaging and, and, ten, yeah, and I think more though is I do too. more confidence to yep. me. It looked like his confidence yep. was building, but of course, uh, with the awareness of mental health that our society, not only Ohio State but everybody now, there's certain things that you need to take care of, and and you take care of. I mean, we we see this all the time in the NFL, right? And how many times guys come out and players come out and say they've been struggling with depression for a long time when nobody knows about it or and I'm sure it may not have been as prevalent just because of lack of education but there was mental illness issues of course when we were growing up but everything was kind of kept secret and put away and yeah. almost people were embarrassed if they had perceived any, as a weakness yeah, yeah it yeah. was perceived as a weakness and so. Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan of the NBA have uh, been pioneers of sorts yeah. in uh, being forthright about their own struggles. Uh, I've recently become aware of a quote through a, a fantastic uh, leadership program called Transformational Leadership, a quote by uh, Oswald Chambers, um, who wrote a very uh, uh, impactful devotional book. Oswald Chambers' quote is, "Everybody, there's always one thing about someone that you're unaware of. There's always one thing you're unaware of. You know, so why is somebody being difficult today. Well, maybe they're going through something you don't know about. Uh, for DJ Carton, this is something that he uh, obviously feels strongly to take care of. He released a statement last night on Twitter saying he loves Buckeye Nation. It doesn't appear to be you know anything, I'm unhappy with how my role on the team or anything like that. This is bigger than that. Uh, Chris Holtman's statement was that DJ will miss the Indiana game. So we don't know. It To me, this the Carton statement felt like it was more indefinite I think our tendency, my tendency is to read into when Chris Holtman says Indiana that it might be just Indiana. It's purely a guess whether it'll be just Indiana or something else, but they get back at it next week. I think they got a really busy week next week, so I don't know if 
whatever he wants to attend to could be taken care of yeah. as quickly as that's, having him back on the court after just I one game. That's the big question. What situation does he have to deal with, and can you resolve it by Sunday afternoon? <laughs> you know, no. and I from the way from the Instagram or the note page that uh, DJ tweeted out last night, it seemed a little bit more deeper, more open-ended than, than that to, yes. to me, and to me as well. You know, you talk about, there's one thing you don't know about somebody, whatever that quote is. And so, I mean, this quote, what are we under attack? No, we're not under attack. <laughs> okay. Some kind of a something. I don't know uh, around I don't here, know man. What that was. Oh, one that was day a I have a cat, a wild cat hanging on my leg. Sorry. A dog coming up. It's a notification from ESPN. <laughs> okay. On my computer. I okay. think we're good. I, I, I'm sorry, but the quote goes: uh, "Be kind to everybody you meet because you do not know that the battle that they're fighting that day. You just don't know." And so I, I tried to implore that into my everyday life as somebody does something. And you know, I talked about my experience of when, for I was on a little bit of a hot streak there, running into people that just seemed like they wanted to pick a fight with me. Mm. You know, remember I was telling you about the guy cut me off and. Yeah. I looked in the refrigerator in front of somebody, which was uh, apparently a capital crime. Uh, then I just am able to walk back and assess the situation and, and try to say be kind to everybody you meet because you do not know the battle that they may or may not be fighting. So it's a good rule to follow. Well, and particularly you and I, we'll get to the faith aspect of the podcast later on, but just you and I believe in spiritual warfare. And I heard uh, details last night of a, of a very dear friend of mine who told me that in one year's time he was robbed six different ways. Like mm. car break in, home break in, Jeez. break in at church, break in, you know. And Plain uh, City? Uh Hilliard. And he's and and we were talking about it and he said something I thought very profound. He said, When you're trying to do things for the kingdom of God, you know, Satan's gonna come after you. So if if you're a servant of Christ and things are bad things are happening in your life, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not anybody's fault. It's like you're under attack. So uh, we'll get to the faith aspect of the podcast at the end, as we always do, and we appreciate uh, your response to that. Okay, uh, Super Bowl Sunday. You hate the Super Bowl. Well documented. Uh, but this looks like a good matchup. It looks like the Chiefs and the Niners. I can make a case for both teams winning. Uh, I am rooting for the Chiefs. Why? Okay, I'll just tell you. I'm rooting for the Chiefs for myriad reasons. Tell the people what myriad means. Lots. I know, I know. Lots what it means. Okay. of reasons. <laughs> uh, I think they're a cool story. And my young, young, young Bruce, the first Super Bowl I remember watching. Well, I barely remember the name of Super Bowl, but I remember yeah. the Chiefs beating the Vikings. I hated the Vikings then because... Wow, I love the Vikings then. Well, Surprising. they hammered my Cleveland Browns in the NFL championship game after the Browns had beaten them during the regular season. Imagine that, the Browns underachieving, folks. Yes, it's a history, that a tradition that goes like any other. Before the Masters, the Browns were inept. Uh, so I was rooting for the Chiefs, and I was captivated by the NFL films with Hank Stram and matriculating the ball down the field yeah. and 65 toss power trap and Go get them, Lenny, and all that. Um, And I think it's a cool story that 50 years after they won their Super Bowl, they're back in it. And I'm not a fan of the city of San Francisco, and so I don't want to see San Francisco celebrate. They've won a ton of Super Bowls. Actually, what about how do you feel about Santa Clara? I have no opinion of Santa Clara. That's where the 49ers— Will people in San Francisco be happy if the 49ers win? Uh, Yes. Okay, so you don't want any joy, sports no, I joy. Sports I don't want any sports joy in San Francisco. <laughs> okay, they got enough. They got the Giants won every other World Series, and oh, they got the Warriors too. So no, no I don't need anything going well for San Francisco in the sports realm. Well, I'm excited to watch Patrick Mahomes on the, on the big stage, as right? I mean, everybody. It's it. I mean, Patrick, as far as the quarterback position, I know Lamar got the MVP and deservedly so, but I think right now. If I have my choice between Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. Thank you. Just because of all the things that, that he can do. That proves there's no gas leak in our basement. <laughs> no, yes. Take, that you would take Patrick Mahomes Here's over Here's Lamar an advantage, Jackson. I think, that the Chiefs are, um, have on, on San Francisco. I think the Chiefs can score a lot of points against anybody. They're that explosive. I really do. And I think Patrick Mahomes... Uh, can hurt you obviously with his um, arm and with his legs. 
The other thing, too, is is that the Chiefs are very effective running the football. I mean, effective by yards per carry. You don't have to have, like, a 200-yard rusher, right? It's just yards per carry because a lot of their running games is get the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill in space or a little quick little out here or a quick little screen or something like that to get the ball in space and then let those guys win their one-on-one battles. Here's the problem. This is why I like San Francisco. I thought long and hard about this. Football has evolved over the years, right? Now we have everybody spread out all over the field, and we create matchups. We find matchups. We get those quick little wide receivers and the big tall guy that can stretch the field and a tight end and occupy safeties and linebackers. And you create matchups. Most teams have that philosophy. We've seen college football has changed forever. Everybody has some form or element of the spread offense. Mm-hmm. That's how you recruit. That's how you can get players. And that's how you kind of try to equalize the playing field because there's more receivers uh, available than big running backs and big tight ends. So the receivers are the focus point where in the past it used to be the running backs were the focal point. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yes, yeah. definitely. So, so here's the thing. San Francisco, and you had the, uh, I believe you had the stat, blitzes less than any team in the league. Lowest blitz rate. And they have 57%. 57 uh, sacks, more than anybody. 57 sacks, more than anybody. More than anybody. That says something and what a problem that is. Now everybody says, well, how's that a problem? Well, don't just define a good pass rush by by stats or by sacks. You define good pass rush. Can you get this guy out of the pocket? Can you force him to drop his eyes so he doesn't see down the field? Now, Patrick Mahomes has as good a pocket presence as anybody in the league, Russell yeah. Wilson and Aaron Rodgers included. But these guys are also finishers. The other thing these guys – are effective is because you look at their inside pass thrusters. It's DeForest Buckner and, and Eric Armstead, or their two main inside guys, six 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 seven. So they can get into throwing lanes. Yeah. But you only have to bring four. So math tells us that means we have seven in coverage. Yeah. And they're really good tacklers in the back end for San Francisco. But going back to my point is that San Francisco, no matter what game I've done or what games I've done throughout the years, uh. The leading passer, it'd be interesting to get a note on the leading passers in the league and where they ended up as far as record-wise. I think you had something like this earlier. We know that running the football is a rule that will never, ever, ever change. And I, I, There's even no explanation for the, it. The only thing I can think of is it shortens the game. The That's popularity it. of it cycles in and out of priority in the NFL. The effectiveness of it never cycles in and out of the NFL. If you can run the ball, you win. And uh, Nick Chubb and, and maybe Kareem Hunt? No, Ky- or, not Kareem Hunt You anymore. think they're going to let him go? I want them to let him go. They're not going to let him go. need to let him go. You want to bet? Not. No, I'm not going to bet. No, I, I'm not going to bet on the Browns doing the right thing. <laughs> I think I'm nuts. There is no gas leak down here. We've already established that. It's a new order, though. A new world order. Yeah, sure it is. New world order. The best tweet I saw on the Browns' new world order the other day with all the Harvard guys, Stefanski, Penn, Andrew Barry, Harvard, Dee Podesta, Harvard, is are the Browns' new uniforms going to have pocket protectors? (laughs) Pocket protectors in the new uniforms. I thought we were changing it to, to crimson and cream. Yeah, we're going to turn the dog pound into the Hasty Pudding Society down there, apparently. <laughs> All right, uh, this Super Bowl, as I said, I can make a case for either team winning. You're taking San Francisco I am. because? I think they're f- uh, more physical, yeah, and see, I think that's going to make a difference in this game. I, I, I think it's a difficult matchup, especially um, for the Chiefs' defense. I really do. The Chiefs are, can be vulnerable on defense. They've mm-hmm. played well. Really good player, inside player, Chris Jones. I, I watch him. Uh, he's he's a pretty good player inside and does a lot of things, not only against run but the pass rush. But I think inconsistency, and the Chiefs have improved as the year gone on in the uh, Chiefs' run defense. But the Chiefs, in my opinion, have not faced a running team like this yeah. with this scheme. And they're really good at it. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is a really effective quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins are basically the same guy. In my opinion, because I think Garoppolo is better. Well, I'm just going to give you. I mean, he's better. Like Garoppolo will make a Kirk Cousins throw once in a while. Yeah, I can see that. And, and where what like I I remember talking to Kyle and he would say this guy has so much talent, right? But what and he hasn't done that this year. That's my point. When they first got him, it's like, dude, 
Where would that come from? What are you looking at? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Uh, I I do not dispute your point that the physical nature of the of the 49ers on offense and defense uh, could make the difference in this game. In that regard, I can see how this Super Bowl would unfold a lot like Patriots Rams. Uh, or the one that really comes to mind is Giants versus the K-Gun with uh, Jim Kelly, where they just ran the ball, yeah. played Man. defense. Jeff Hostetler, right? Yeah. I believe it was a, Phil Simms was hurt, and Jeff Hostetler won that, right? Uh, I could also see it being uh, like Titans-Rams, where the Rams' just explosiveness in that game just finally caught up with the Titans. Um, but I'm not sure the Chiefs have any idea until you face it how I like I would have never thought a team could run on the Vikings like the Niners ran on the Vikings. Yeah, I yeah, that that was You know they, the Vikings look tired better yeah. than I do, but I I just or I could see that you know, Tyreek Hill and the speed the Chiefs have, it's just too much to contain yeah. for the Niners and I, but well, if you ask me who I think is going to win, I think the Niners are going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'll take physical <laughs> over flash. Every day and twice on Sunday. And so since this game's Sunday, I'll take the Niners. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Chiefs won. I'm actually for the Chiefs because I th- I feel like they're the underdog. Yeah, well, and, and don't forget, the 49ers, an explosive offense would be, a lot of people would consider the Saints, right? Well, the 49ers yes. went down there. Shut be- them right down. Well, no, no, the Saints, it was a high, really high-scoring game. It was So 49ers can get— So who shut down Mike Thomas? Who who beat the Saints? Vikings. Well, I'm Vikings. talking about the right, in right. the regular season, okay. the 49ers okay. and Saints were doing battle, and George Kittle made a tremendous uh, individual effort, kicked the game-winning field goal, but it was a high-scoring game. So that's the thing with the 49ers. The 49ers can beat you more than one way, right? They can beat you 17-7 to or get in a field goal battle, and, and they can handle that type of game. They also can handle a high-scoring game. I don't think the Chiefs can handle that type of game. Now, one thing, if the Chiefs get going early, and we know, I mean, it, it, the one thing I love about the Chiefs, and I enjoy watching this, is their efficiency. It was probably the best offensive practice I've ever seen when I went to watch, uh, when I did a Kansas City Chiefs game, ironically enough, against the San Francisco 49ers last year. I had them. And watching their practice, Say what you want about Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. and deservedly so, some of his poor decisions. Mm-hmm. But watching that guy practice, Bruce, uh, he works his rear end off, right? You, you know how I get judge guys. Yes. Exactly. Watching Travis Kelsey die for football on a Friday. The ball never touched the ground from the first whistle to the end of the whistle. Wow. Not, not, and, and rarely do I see that. I see it every so often, mm-hmm. but it wasn't even close to touching the ground. And the speed and the efficiency, then I went in, uh, and I told you this story. For whatever reason, Andy Reid called me in his office, and I'm sitting there, and it looked like a beautiful mind yeah, with Russell, Russell Crowe. Yeah. I mean, just unbelievable, right? Little a, post-it notes everywhere I had, with no, plays I mean, on. I mean, no, big post-it notes everywhere. Really? And so I, I just uh, I, I think it's a great matchup. And I wanted to say this, and I was thinking about this driving out of here today, avoiding some type of four-legged creature, mm. nocturnal deer beast. or cre- No, this was a little thing. Oh. but Coyote season. Coyote slash possum or whatever it was. But but anyway, I was saying that the NFL, uh, the cool thing about it is the two best teams are playing for the championship in my mind. And, I agree uh, with that. And it, it, it's fun to see. Uh, is Andy Reid already a Hall of Famer, in your opinion? There's been some talk this week by Rod Woodson and Deion Sanders that there are too many guys in the Hall of Fame that it's become the Hall of Very Good. Uh, but is Andy Reid already a Hall of Famer. He's been to one Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, did not win it. There are There's conversation this week that if he wins this Super Bowl, he is a Hall of Famer. I mean, by my account, if you get a team in each league, each conference to the Super Bowl, that Pretty good. ratchets your candidacy up some. But there is a stigma that goes with uh, never winning the big one, yeah. so to speak. Marv Levy's in, right? Marv Levy is in. Bud four Grant. Super Bowls. Though. Bud Grant's in. Bud Grant is in, I think, three or four? I think four. four yeah. yeah. Um. I you know I don't know. Yeah. You know, I I don't know enough. I, I I'm sorry. I mean I know don't I'm care, supposed do to be. A, no, I don't. I really don't. Why is that? Why don't you care? I don't. I because I just don't care. Okay. I don't. I don't. I I, I hate saying is, is this guy a Hall of Famer or not a Hall of Famer because it sounds like you say well no he's not a Hall of Famer. 
then you're degrading the guy. That's true. And which Good I'm point. not doing. I'm yeah. not. I refuse to degrade the guy. He's a great coach. A great coach. And he's effective. And you know, I I really gained an appreciation of watching him coach practice, and the amount of intensity that actually comes from him. Uh, I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that. And uh, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Andy Reid as far as being a coach. And uh, you know, I want everybody to be in the Hall of Fame. And, and I, you know what? I think I'm kind of leaning toward what. Uh, Dion and, yeah, I think I it, do think you should reserve it for. Uh, look, I mean, Andy Reid's been a great coach, but not just on Andy Reid, but I think on I'll, everybody. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys that get in, and look, I hesitate to throw a name out because then people go, like, "Oh, well, you don't know his resume," and so I'm not going to throw names out. But there are guys where I, I hear, you know, he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I'm like, he is? Like really? Like he was a good player, but transformational player? Like he like. I don't know. So, like who? Eli? No, Eli's got to be in. Uh, I don't think you can tell the story of the NFL without Eli Manning. Okay. The Giants winning two Super Bowls and beating the Patriots and keeping them from going eighteen and zero. And I don't. You don't get in based on one thing, but that I think There's that elevates. T- he did it you. twice. Yeah, I know. He did and, it twice, and he, and he made two huge throws. People say, "Wow, Tyree with the catch." Hey, he had to get away from that pass rush. He had to throw it, which is on a target. miracle of itself. It is that they didn't blow it dead. So the way they let me ask you this on on that regard, and this would be say, get your press hat on. Okay. Do you think subconsciously amongst the media that the fact that he played for the New York Giants helps Eli's case? Absolutely. Wow. So do I. I just think. Yeah. Absolutely. Although I will say, I said if he wow had... because oh my, am I starting to think like you? Yeah. Oh gosh. But but let's examine it from the other direction. For people who would say, oh, he's only getting in because he did it for the Giants. Okay, so you're telling me if he won two Super Bowls with the Jacksonville Jaguars, you wouldn't put him in? Like, wouldn't we look at that and go, holy smokes, like he won it with the Jaguars. Yeah. Like, I don't think you can denigrate two Super Bowls. And saying that, Jim Plunkett should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I I, I get sad for the guys that, you know, and we talked about this, to find their careers by – Having to lobby for the Hall of Fame, why don't you never lobby for anything? And and besides, there's Hall of Fame players that, when I played against them, I didn't think they were Hall of Famers. Yeah. And there's guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame that, when I played against them, said, "My gosh, that guy was the best guy that, stud, I, that yeah. I that play, I played against." Right? Mm-hmm. I, a, a, a great player was Max Montoya, former guard oh, of yeah. uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I think about Kevin Mack. And people don't understand how good Kevin Mack was. And now I'm not talking about because we're caught up in the fantasy numbers and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm talking about tackling a man yeah. that's angry. <laughs> all right. And you know the story. Uh, Kevin Mack, bad dude. No, Kev, On a check down route, a check down is where the, the, there's nowhere yeah. to throw the ball downfield, Kev, and Kevin Mack catches a ball. I break up on him, and my feet are, are crossed. I go to tackle him. Kevin Mack. Runs me over. Runs me over. It's unbelievable. And I'm so mad at myself because that it happened yeah. to me. You were in a it, bad spot. Your it, no, my feet, was no, no, no. My feet were crossed. It okay. was bad technique, but that, nevertheless, I don't know if it would have mattered in hindsight. So I don't go to the ground, but I do like a – he knocks me back, and I catch myself like a push-up. And he breaks my tackle, and he's running down the field, and I'm up so fast that you thought I was uh, touched by the fires of hell. I wanted to get out of that so fast. And as I'm running down the field full speed, and he's running the Benny Blades and the William White because those are those two safeties, and they're going to make the tackle. I am so angry, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God. Gosh, on film tomorrow, that's going to look awful. I'm going to get drilled. Well, I ain't going down like this. And so... Kevin Mack is on the ground, and I come in with the latest, dirtiest hit I ever gave a guy. Really? I speared him. Yeah. Oh! Right right with my head. Then the flag comes out. Hey, I'm not proud of that. I'm yeah. just I'm telling you what happened. Yeah. So, you would have gotten tossed. In other words, today. yeah, I would have been tossed. Kevin Mack was a beast, man. You would have gotten a visit to the commissioner today over something like no, that. No, I would have got popped for about 20, 25. Yeah. Did you ever get fined? Yes. For what? Uh, I had a couple hits that might have been questionable. 
In their eyes, not mine. In, your, in their eyes, okay. Uh, my my one time I got fined was that uh, not enough white because my socks rolled down and I didn't pull them up or in there. You know, you got they have uniform. Oh yes, over they there. do. Yes, they do. Yes, I don't they know do. if people know that, but they have yeah. a lot of former players over there that you they're always watching. And they'll come over and tell you, and if you don't do it, you that's get written nar- up and you get fined. That's a narky thing to do, to be a former player and find your guys. It's like being intern- NFL I mean, internal it's, affairs. It's the, it's the rules, though. I know, I you know? It. It's the rules. All right. Uh, we have ignored, to this point, uh, a really cool story of an, a guy you know and like, uh, Ohio State wrestling coach Tom Ryan. I just wanted to shout them out. I watched them. They were on Sunday after Ohio State played Northwestern, and I sat there watching all their wrestlers. I don't have a whole lot of breakdown on it. I just thought maybe you'd like to say something nice about your friend Tom Ryan and the job he does at Ohio State, which we talk about the Big Ten being tough in basketball. Yeah. In wrestling, I know. holy cow, know. it's like it's Iowa, good. Minnesota, Penn State, Ohio State. It's like you look at the top five, and there's like four Big Ten teams in it. Yeah. And the Buckeyes are one of them. Well, I mean, I, I, I love Tom Ryan. I think what he does and what he's done with the program and – I don't know if you've had a chance to ever meet with him. I or, have not. I'd love to. Or, or talk with him, but it's full of passion. And, you know, Tom, I I got to know him over the years. He's actually one of his daughters, a friend of uh, one of my stepdaughters. She's been to the house. But she, he's just a, a really great guy, and he's, he's he is what a college coach is. No matter what sport that coach may be, there's passion and energy, and he has it. And he just does a great job of recruiting. I mean, when I talk to him, I, the first thing I ask, because I care about wrestling and recruiting. I've been watching my nephew wrestle out in, in Powell, and it's just uh, eighth graders wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it, Bruce, and I said, man, this sport is beautiful. And why it's beautiful? Because with wrestling, there's nowhere to hide. You can hide on the football field. You can make it look like you're trying, and the trained eye will be able to call you out, but an untrained eye will will not be able to tell that you're hiding or not being the reason. Even on a basketball court, as we've seen, at times people yeah. can hide. I'm not saying they make the conscious decision to hide. Well, even great players hide sometimes. Yeah, you can. LeBron. <laughs> oh, that conversation. Oh. What did you nail him, him big time? That was so, you were so. That was way ahead of everybody. Prescient. I, you were on the money on that so many years ago. He does. I remember boss. you coming in going, he doesn't want to be the reason. And I'm like, I don't know. Then he had, this was this bought the infamous Boston tanking game five tank. Yeah. You called that two games ahead of it. So anyway, but yeah, in wrestling, sorry. you can't hide. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. Right. And I'm watching these kids in the effort in. I watched a kid get beat 12 to 3 and this kid was on his back in the second period and he refused to get pinned. You know, I just wanted to go up to that kid and I don't care about the score. Like that if that was Noah or my son or or I I don't care about the score. You fought man, and you didn't get pinned. Then I watched a kid that was down 8 nothing hit a reversal and pinned a kid that was beating him the 8 nothing. So I just have so much respect for wrestlers. I think they're warriors. I, pound for pound, they're the toughest athletes around. There's no doubt about it in my mind. And the training that they go through and in, in the injuries and the battle and the fact that they're one-on-one and there's no place to hide and you can either be totally embarrassed, but you're not afraid to compete and fight in that arena. And that's why I have great respect for wrestlers. Uh, Sammy Sasso, their 149-pounder, was a story last weekend. He beat the top-ranked guy in the country from Iowa, and then he came back. Uh, that was Friday, and then he came back Sunday and beat a kid from Minnesota who's ranked higher than he was, and Sasso's ranked sixth. So that was uh, very, very interesting. It was just a fun thing to watch. So if you ever get a chance to watch the Buckeyes uh, on Big Ten Network, uh, but tonight they have Maryland at the Covelli Center, which is over by the Woody Hayes um, Athletic Center. Right. And if you just want, you know, hey, Let's go to an event. There'll be a lot of energy, and it'll be you know a raucous atmosphere. A home Buckeye wrestling match. I, I, the place I, to go, man. I mean, I appreciate. The other thing is, I don't because I'm not uh, privy to it or I haven't been exposed to it. But I, I don't know the ins and outs. But I do know that the 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 science and the technique and the moves and using leverage and using the guy's leverage against his leverage and. It's just a, it's a, it's an amazing sport to watch. So 
I hope, uh, yeah, that's a great idea, Bruce. I have plans tonight. Darn it, if I, if I didn't have plans, I'd actually would go to that. And I think I'll go to it. Well, we'll keep you updated on the Yeah, schedule, we'll try so. and keep you updated on it, and uh, maybe we can uh, grab Coach Ryan for a comment and get him on the show. I wanted to ask you about something Eddie George said this morning on Fox Sports Radio with uh, Clay Travis. They were talking about Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans and Eddie George, former Tennessee Titans, great running back himself, said this about what the Titans need to do with Derrick Henry. Oh, your priority is sign Derrick Henry. Yes. Figure out your quarterback he situation. Be, how high you paid do you think Derrick Henry should be? Well, he's a unique back. Yeah. So he needs to get paid in a unique, unique fashion. Exactly. So does that mean top two or three in the league in your Absolutely. mind? Absolutely. Top yeah. two or top one. Yeah. Um, because he's been that guy for the last – you can make the argument he's been the best back in, in the league uh, going back to 2018. Uh, yeah. All right. You know how I feel about running backs and so second, second contracts. So – but – Derrick Henry's unique. There's not a lot of Derrick Henry's around. But what do you think of Eddie's top one, top two? Ah, uh, there's no way. I, I pay I, a quarterback I, like the we, Seahawks just did Russell Wilson. So I don't know that everybody's, I'd pay anybody else. Everybody, it's a copycat league, right? Yeah. Good and bad. So was Ezekiel Elliott worth the cap space? Not saying this has nothing to do with Derrick Henry. It has nothing to do with Ezekiel Elliott. It has to do when you're putting together your team. It doesn't mean you don't want to pay the guy. I want to pay the guy. I wanted Zeke to get paid. Mm -hmm. But if I'm in charge, what's best for the team? Mm -hmm. And by nature of the position, I am not going to get a return on the investment that I make in the second year of a running back's contract. It has nothing to do with how good Derrick Henry is, I love Derrick Henry. But I'm not paying running backs. Not And, and we said this all week, right? Two, team, two teams in the Super Bowl. Two teams in the Super Bowl. How many have heard of Damian Williams? Zippo. Right? Nobody. Yeah. I think he was at Miami maybe before he was in Kansas City. And I, I forget who their backup is. Yeah. yeah. How many have heard Raheem Mostart, Matt Breida, or the other guy, Tevin, Co- Coleman. Tevin Coleman from yeah. Indiana, who did run all over Ohio State, yeah, I remember yeah. one year. But. Yeah. Here's the here's a tweet that I put out after the Niners' uh, success against the Vikings. This year, the Niners are paying Matt Breida six hundred forty five thousand, Raheem Mostert two point six million, and Tevin Coleman three point five million. So that's six point six million they have in guys who produced just shy of two thousand yards and fifteen touchdowns. Six point six million. The Cowboys paid Zeke Elliott this year $8 million for 1,400 yards and 12 TDs. You say, well, you know, you can't expect one guy to do the work of three. Here's the problem. Next year, Zeke's new deal kicks in. He's going to make $20 million. He's going to pay $20 million. That's a, too big of a cap hit for the kind of production you can get from other, perhaps less spectacular, but not much less, and in some cases more, Effective players. Here's this is a big debate because I, if I'm a running back, I'm I'm ticked because they all know that it's going that direction. They are it's the position that gets the raw deal from the NFL. Yeah. I think there's one way to rectify this. If you're a first round running back, it shouldn't be four years in an option. If you're a first round running back, I think it should be two years in an option for the team's option. It would or be the better for year. the player. Then the player would be able then to – I don't think it will ever happen because nope. it's it's too beneficial. But I think there should be the exception to the rule called the running back rule in those rookie contracts. I, I just it Those guys don't have a chance, right? These, this, is the, this is a graphic description, and I don't mean it to be disrespectful. Running backs in the NFL are the first guys in the boat on D-Day. I mean, they just are. You just use them and use them. I said when Zeke went to the Cowboys, they're going to give him the ball 400 times a year for five years, and they're going to say, see ya. Well, Eddie, Now, they gave him the contract, and I I wouldn't have done it. I I would have called called his bluff on the holdout, and I wouldn't have done it. They They thought they were a Super Bowl team, and... I don't know how they can be a Super Bowl team going forward because they got to pay Dak and they got to pay Zeke. Yeah. I don't know. And they're already paid Zeke, and you know they're going to pay Dak. I don't know how that, you know, I know that, you know, you, you have to make tough decisions because I, I think the Vikings are going through this where they've got a lot of tough decisions to make on on veterans. But you mentioned your, your analogy 
with D-Day going forward, yeah, running backs and corners, right? Because we know, too, I got to be careful paying corners because be careful. analytics and talks about at 27 or 28. Now, obviously, they're outliers and great players, yeah. but yeah. The, the corners hit the wall. Like your friend Richard Sherman is an outlier. Uh, you can review the podcast, and we hope you do on iTunes. It really helps us out. Uh, you can also email the show anytime, SpielmanHooleyPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to those of you who have emailed uh, saying that you'd like to chat about uh, my leadership initiative built around character development for youth sports. If you're a, a youth sports influencer, you run a league, you've been around youth sports for a long time, you have some ideas on uh, how we can help you as coaches, umpires, things like that, manage your relationships inside your team and around your team. Love to talk to you. Email podcast at gmail.com. Can I have a suggestion if you're coaching youth football? Yes. I know there's weight limits and what kids can do in a game. I would suggest, uh, and I did this back way back, uh, what is Noah, 23, 14, 15 years ago mm-hmm. when I was coaching Little League, I'd let every kid in practice play running back, play quarterback, play receivers. When we did drills, everybody learned how to run an outcut. Everybody learned how to run a slant, especially the big kids, right? And and don't just throw them on, hey, you're on a line, get out and shut your mouth. You know, involve them. Great Let idea. them play a corner or um, on defense. Let them stand up and play. Be like a pass rusher because these kids just have, have just have as much passion for football as all your great athletes on your team. They watch the same players. They idolize the same guys. They want to pretend they're that guy. Let them be that guy in practice. You'll have enough time in a game and follow the rules of the game. You'll have enough time. Um, to get it done. I even back in the league that I coached in, even the big kids were uh, everybody in from the 9 and 10 year old league just when they start, started getting into tackle football, they were allowed to run the ball once per game. You know, it was cool. And so I encourage coaches that are coaching little league uh to to do that. Let your kids play skill positions that you know are linemen or that have no shot at being a receiver or <laughs> or a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? I love that idea. I think that's great. And a lot of travel baseball teams do that. Now I heard uh, they'll even have them bat through the order. You have the option to bat through the order, even though only nine are playing. Everybody in the order can bat before you go to the next, uh, go to the top of the order. So uh, I love that. It's about development. It's about increasing their love for the game. It, right. it can be about winning, but the winning can follow when you have a great team culture and when everybody's on board. All right, email, SpielmanHooleyPodcast, gmail.com, from Dan. He says, uh, love the discussion about the Browns and their culture and the problem players Dorsey brought in. Uh, would like your thoughts on this. Would you rather take a reach on a player in the fourth round that analytics and data love, has a great character, is a total team player, or B, trade up into the fourth round to reach on a player with immense talent but lots of baggage and distractions? He says, I'm pretty sure you'd go with option A, which I would do too. However, option A is Cody Kessler, which I know Bruce did not like. Nope, I panned that one from the minute they made it. And option B was Antonio Callaway. Uh, he says, my argument back to my friend is I would rather reach on option A because at worst you blew a draft pick but help improve the culture with while option B might help you win one game in a short term but will do more damage in the long run. Interesting to hear your perspective and give your feelings on improving culture and getting rid of baggage. Well, as it concerns Cody, uh, Cody Kessler, he was a 99th pick overall in the fourth round. You are, <laughs> you're buying a scratch-off ticket to pay for a seven million dollar mansion you just bought. If you're drafting a quarterback in the fourth round with the 99th pick, and thinking you can groom him into your franchise quarterback yeah, in the future, it just doesn't pay off. In the fourth round, pick a lineman, pick uh, pick a linebacker who you think you can develop into. The Steelers were great at this; they'd pick a linebacker in the fourth round. Play him on special teams for two or three years and then do what we just talked about with running backs. A veteran is getting um, at the end of a contract. He's going to be too expensive for you to keep. He's a good player. He can play. But the young kid is close. You ran into this in Buffalo with John Holcheck. You know, yeah. Chris Spielman got to the point where Chris Spielman was still a better player than John Holacek, but he was a more expensive player than John Holacek. Yeah. And so, you know what? You got to make choices. And the You're gap wasn't that big. Yeah, John yeah. was really good. So, so that's what I would do in the fourth round. It's an, I, I understand your picture here, but I don't think on that, in the instance you bring up, 
Cody Kessler as a quarterback in the fourth round is not a good gamble. You can get a guy in the fourth round who can help you on special teams and who can become a contributing player two to three years down the road. So I would say that's how I would handle that argument. I would never Now trust me taken, on this one. Yeah, you, that was the famous Hugh Jackson quote on Cody Kessler. You're going to have to trust me on this one. I would never pick Antonio Callaway in the fourth round. I would pick him in the sixth round, and I would give him one chance. I would say, yeah. we're giving you a chance, and if you blow your chance, you're gone. They picked him in the fourth round, too high, and gave him multiple okay, chances. Okay, well, let's look at the uh, in, yeah, quarterback. If you're drafting a quarterback in the fourth round, you're drafting him as a backup. You don't see him or view him as a potential starter. Let's look at the, the AFC North. Cleveland, uh, number one first-round draft point. Cincinnati, second round for Andy Dalton, I believe. Will be first round for Joe Burrow. Lamar Jackson, first round. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. First round. Go to any uh, the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins was a third round pick, I believe. Uh, I think he might have been the first pick of the fourth, but okay. at any rate, okay, similar thing. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? Mitchell Trubisky, and what team? And uh, Matthew Stafford. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get your quarterback in the first round. You have to. You I just, I mean, just think of pick a team. Your Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray. Yep. Uh, San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, third round. Second, they traded second round, maybe. Traded yeah. for a, they traded a second round pick for him. Now, Russell Wilson was a third rounder. There are outliers. Sure. Tom Brady's the ultimate outlier. I get it. But by and large, you're expending a draft pick on a quarterback. Ain't gonna it's happen, gonna be man. a first round pick. You can't count on that. And not just a first round pick, but a top half of the Everything first round is percentages. Pick. Your percentages of getting a starting quarterback are in a enormously higher than it would be in, in the first round than it would be if you drafted the dude in the fourth round. Yeah. So I, you take risks a lot of things risk depends on too. There's I mean, there's Dalvin Cook was considered a risk. Yeah, because of off field stuff. Dalvin Cook should have been a first round pick. There's off field issues. So you assess the situation. Can you manage that situation? What are the issues, first of all? You well, know, yeah, like that's, yeah, that's the thing. That's what I say by assessing the situation. And how yeah. many issues? Like Antonio Callaway, I've referred to as a triple threat. Like he had, uh, you know, uh, domestic violence, a credit card theft, and something else. Like when it's three different things, you're just deluding yourself to think that it won't be something else on your watch. Yeah. But if it's one misstep, Okay, and he's got an explanation for it, and you know, yeah. okay. Uh, and again, I do think top of the draft, you draft best player available. You can't afford not to draft best player available. That's why you order your board. Yeah. But when you get into the third, four, you get into the fourth round. I would say maybe the third round if you're in the lower half of the round. Then you start to say, all right, what's the difference between this guy's five spots higher on our board, but we really have a need here, and here's another player, and can this guy become a contributor for us right away on special teams? Can we envision a scenario where he becomes a starter for us? Right. Cody Kessler, to envision a scenario where Cody Kessler was going to become a starter for you, it was not going to be a good scenario. It was exactly what the scenario was. Injuries and concussions, and you're forced to put him in the lineup. Yeah. All right. Well, another example would be, do you remember where the Vikings drafted Jalen Holmes? I do not. Okay. Was it like Jalen was, I think, maybe third or fourth round, maybe fifth round? We'll look it up. Anyway, Jalen has been on practice squad. He was active, but he rarely dressed. But when he had his opportunities to play this year, he played really, really well. And now he's going to get an opportunity next year. So that's, that's what I'm talking about, uh, projecting players and where they can fit and how well. I think he's going to get a better opportunity. I know that whenever he got his opportunity to play, he played pretty darn well. Fourth round pick, 102nd overall. Yeah. And, and, and but he's been sitting on the, on a bench, right, waiting for his opportunity, and he's going to get it because I thought when he had his I, I haven't even talked to Rick about this, but I thought when he had his opportunities, I thought Jalen has done really well, and Jalen actually transformed himself from a pass rushing defensive end here at Ohio State to a inside player. He's done a really good job. So another email from David. He says, uh, as a listener of the old show on The Zone, I love the podcast. I especially have loved the faith portion has helped me renew my relationship with God. Wonderful. My wife has been through two major brain surgeries in the last couple of years. And thanks be to God, she's doing well from that. In any case, it has created a fear of death for me that I sometimes have no idea how to deal with. I was hoping that maybe the two of you, and particularly Chris, because of what he's been through with Steph, could shed some light on how I can overcome this. 
Keep up the good work. Regards, Dave. So, Chris. You want to know how God works? Can I tell you how you God works? You certainly can. Please do. I'm writing some th- things down that we can talk about in the faith segment. Mm-hmm. And look what look what that one says right there. To the Fear. Top, of, top of the page. Fear. And it's got three stars next to it. Three stars and four. Can I read yeah, some of yeah, it? Please do. Is this a good time to That's transition? A great time. Great time to transition. So one of the things that's helped me, and I credit Bruce because um, I do get a lot of good ideas from you, and I thank you for that. I think we, you know, as give I each do, other good ideas. As I do from you. So, and my late wife, Stephanie, used to do a lot of things. So I started writing a lot of things down, especially things from a spiritual point of view. And I was a slave to fear, like Zach Williams talks about that song. Uh, I, I really struggled, right? I mean, I was at the point back in the day when I had a hard time taking my children to the doctor because I thought the doctor was going to come out. And even though it's not rational thinking, it was very real to me. I was afraid uh, if 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 a kid my kid got a fever, I wanted to rush him to the emergency room right away. I can't tell you how many times I rushed them over to my uh, brother-in-law's house who's a physician. Uh, to make sure they're okay. Um, so here's what I wrote. Fear. Uh, natural. It's a natural emotion, right? We all have fear. If fear becomes it, uncontrolled, it can lead to poor decision-making, sleepless nights, take a physical toll on your body, and you become a slave to fear. And it can certainly lead to spiritual paralysis, which it does because you're consumed by fear. It prevents us from growing. Isaiah 41 says, do not fear for I am with you. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. Psalms 56, 3.4. Hey, look, for all of us, I mean, we just saw this with Kobe Bryant and for Hebrews 9.27, we can't prevent death. Trust what God has waiting for us. Keep an eternal perspective. Do your best to remind yourself and keep a perspective on eternity. Peace is opposite of fear. So if you think about peace and fear, they're two different emotions. They can't coexist. You can't have peace and have fear at the same time. Peace comes to us by, and I I told my kids this all the time, peace comes to us by running to God, not running away from God. When trouble or trials hit, when we seek and ask and pray for peace, peace will come and replace the fear that we may have that has a grip on us. I'll give you a, another example. Um, when when we found out, I took Stephanie to the emergency room one time, the last time, and we found out that the cancer spread into her spinal fluid, okay, and into her brain and into her spinal fluid. Pretty much knew it was ball game, right? And I am paralyzed, which is very true, paralyzed by fear. So she stays overnight in the hospital. I finally get home, and I will say this, and it's a strong statement, but I will say this. I was woken in the morning by a voice, and I think it was God talking to me. So don't think I'm crazy, people. It's only happened once where I actually heard a voice. And the voice said this, and now I know death is coming, okay? And he's the voice said this, and this helps me. I refer back to this all the time, obviously, because it's a major moment in my life. He said, no matter what, no matter what happens, Chris, it's going to be okay. And I reflect back on that all the time. And you you're, are going to have fear, but you also have control over that, and you have to work at it for what, what's First John 14, perfect love drives out fear. The enemy of fear is love. Focus on things we love, not on things we fear. That's another thing. Where's your focus going to be? That makes so much sense to me when I wrote that down. Again, it's much easier said than done because God is love. It is not an effective weapon against fear. There's nothing that can stand against God. It's the eternal perspective. Try to live for eternity. Fearing God doesn't mean you cower in a corner. Fearing God means you respect and revere God. You understand that God is in control, and 
that there should be a reverence toward God, not a fear, oh my gosh, please, Lord, don't hurt me. Um, eternal perspective. To live a life of faith, we must be strong and courageous. God actually provided courage and strength. God commands us to live with strength and courage. This is from Joshua 119. He says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He said, he doesn't say, have I not asked you? Asked you yeah. Have I not requested upon you? Have I not encouraged you to be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ask for it. Believe it. Live it. Hold it Hold it. your task to God's planning. Press on with the strength, um, courage. And I'm sorry, I can't read my mind. to what is right in God's eyes. With strength and courage, you will have an eternal perspective. Do not surrender to fear. Do not give in control. You have a choice to throw the fear away and replace it with love. Fear and anger, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to anxiety, depression, and withdrawal. Let God deliver you from those with his love and peace. Always remember, we are not the children of God of Good Friday, but we are the children of God of Easter Sunday. Yeah, that's really profound, particularly coming from you. I know it's a lot, but I wrote a lot. Because I walked the path of fear, so I knew a lot about his feelings. Yeah. Um, I would say, uh, as that verse says, perfect love drives out fear. Well, the only one that loves perfectly is God. First of all, Dan, I I understand your concern. It stems from your love. I think it's David, isn't it? Uh, David. David. I'm sorry, David. Yes, David. Uh, It stems from your love and devotion to your wife. Ugh which is um, wonderful, honorable, genuine. Um, so it's we can't give you a formula. I would just say last night I was at a group of people and we were discussing some things, and one thing that really resonated with me was prayer is the battle. Prayer is the battle. In other words, there's always a battle, and you're battling fear. Prayer is how you battle. You have to stay connected to God. For me, I've drifted in my life spiritually when I've become disconnected from God. And so I would just say the only place you can possibly get the strength for a battle of this enormity in your life is prayer. And so you have to ask for uh, the strength. You have to trust God. The other thing that resonated with me when Chris was uh, reading from his journal is that scripture in Philippians where Paul says, whatever is true, you know, focus on what you know is true. God has plans to not to harm you. He's not messing with you. He doesn't like seeing you in pain. But there's all kinds of battles going on in our world. And mm-hmm. um, and why you've chosen to walk the path, I don't know. Uh, but we'll, um, you know, we certainly identify with your struggle. And Chris has, uh, I think, spoken eloquently to it. And so hopefully uh, what he had to say yeah. uh, is, is helpful to you. I want you... Uh, and here's what, when I get to talk to folks, and I talk to a lot of them, right, who are dealing with life and death issues. And, and, and as husbands and fathers, Dave, you, you know, our, our instinct is protect at all cost, right? Well, that's God's instinct. That's his love that he has for you also. But you want to protect at all costs. And it's so frustrating that as a husband and father that something is hurting your wife and you are completely, as a human being, powerless against you can't do anything believe me i try to do everything it didn't work i couldn't do anything i can't fight cancer i don't have that i can't outwork it i can't outlift it i can't do seven thousand miles in one year to make it go away can't do anything about it Uh, i don't know exactly what your wife's health issues are but i'm thank god she's doing well but i will say this live in the moment today's a good day tomorrow looks pretty good after that nobody knows but live in this moment and live in love. And when fear starts to creep in, understand that God does have a plan. And and, and, I, and this is hard for some people to hear. But I'm telling you, and I can only speak from my experience, and I said it three times in that writing. I said there's got to be an eternal perspective. You have to understand that this is all going to end for us one day, uh, one time some, nobody's immune. We're all destined to die once, but we're all destined if we so choose to live for eternity. Yeah. That's the reality of it. 
you will have strength and you will have courage. You're so much more capable of what you don't even understand how much capability you have in dealing with this. One day at a time, and, and as Bruce said, love dries out fear. Ask for peace. There's a peace that will come upon you in Philippians 4.16 that transcends all understanding. You'll get it. Just keep looking, man, and keep knocking on the door. Uh, did You had texted me about something last night. Did you yes. want to transition to that as well? Uh, thank you for your email, David. We appreciate that well, very much. Well, that was timely, I thought. Absolutely. Dave. Good job, Dave. Bruce, I'm posing you a question. Okay. Who is God to you? Just now, make it personal. Not you know. Okay. I, we all we get the big the big picture. <laughs> God's who the, is God? You mean this like, who personifies God? No, like, who treats like, me? like when you when you think of God in you, you you okay. and God's relationships, not yes. you and Sherry's or okay. you and the kids yeah. or me and Carrie's or just you and God. Yeah. Your relationship. What comes to mind? His incredible patience and love. I made him wait so long. Um, I hope I don't make him wait anymore. As I said, I've had spiritual hot periods in my life and spiritual cold spells. But I am struck by his incredible patience and love. Uh, his um, <laughs> those are the two qualities that overwhelm me. Patience. What would you say to God? I'd start with I'm when sorry. When you go. <laughs> That's good. I, I, probably I like should, that. I probably should start with thank you, but I'd probably start. I, I would start with I'm sorry, and then I would go to thank you. Yeah. Well, I, something just came over my phone. I want to read to Dave because I think it's timely. It's First Corinthians two nine. For those of you following along in your Bibles, uh, I always you. wanted to say <laughs> that. It's my game show. But as it's written, things which an eye didn't see and an ear didn't hear. Which didn't enter into the heart of man, these God has prepared for those who love him. So there's, it goes back to the eternal perspective. And if I'm here, not here tomorrow and I'm in heaven, I'm good. I got peace with that. You know, I really do. I just think it's more difficult for guys like you and Dave when you wish you had the affliction upon you. Oh, yeah. More than anything in the world. Absolutely. That's your biggest wish, right? Yep. And it's not. Okay. Yep. Who's God to me? Uh, I don't know why I started writing things down, Bruce. It's your fault. Sorry. Yeah. Who's God to I asked you, who's God to you, who's God to me? He doesn't leave us a lot of choice. Uh, he can't be an acquaintance. We don't have that choice. You know, I'm not going to call him once a year and, hey, how you doing, or send him a Christmas card. Mm. We are either all in or all out. He's not a genie. I believe he desires a relationship, an investment, a conversation, a confession, honesty, trust, and attention. How many times in our life have we cried out, God, please take this? Many. Share with God good news also, right? We're always, share with the good news, yeah. things that happen, promotions, relationships, good health, etc. Let him know how grateful you are for every little thing. I need to do a better job of this. This is me talking to myself. I need to do a better job of this, recognizing every little blessing, not just the big blessings. Because one day when I wake up in the land of utopia or heaven, the first thing I will do is seek and find Jesus and say, thank you, just like you said. What am I going to thank him for? Thank you for not leaving me when I left you. Thank you for tapping me on the shoulder when I was ignoring you. Thank you for walking with me when I needed you most, and thank you for walking with me when I thought I wanted to be alone. I will thank him for the ultimate example of sacrifice, which encourages me to sacrifice. I will thank him for unconditional love when I wanted nothing to do with love. And thank you for an eternal perspective. So there you go. Dude, that is so good. That is so, so good. Um I like uh, I like you journaling. That's fun. Did you just start that, or have you been doing? That I, I've a got a couple things at home, and I I just thought to myself that look, if if we're gonna sit here, this is very important. If we want to be credible, and if we want to be real, and if we want to say to people, hey, this God thing is pretty cool. You might want to check it out. You got to be honest. 
about your journey in your faith. And I think we're pretty honest. I mean, you know, I, tomorrow or Monday, I'm going to talk about doubt because doubt's another demon that I fight. Fear's a demon that I fight. And I mean, to the point of, uh, I'm not embarrassed to say, I was paralyzed by fear for a long time. In fact, fear almost became a little partner that I would carry around with me. And I almost missed it when I didn't have it anymore because I was so used to it. But thank God it's gone. Now, I'm not saying I still have little bouts of uh, fear, but I also have this peace because I have and constantly remind myself of that no eye is seen or no ear is heard what God has in store for us. For those who love Because if we don't, and it's like I said, why would you not look into this? Why would you not look in this? If, if, if I'm right, you have everything to gain. If I'm wrong, you have nothing, nothing to, lose. to lose. Nothing to lose. That's right. Thank you for listening to Spielman Hooley Podcast. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on uh, Twitter. Chris is at Chris underscore Spielman. I'm at B Hools. You can also find our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear from you about how the podcast um, strengthens you, questions you have. We'd love to respond to those. Have a great weekend, everybody. That makes sense to